This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 351 of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is sponsored by Advanced Compliance Solutions, and I'm pleased to announce a new service offering by Advanced Compliance Solutions. It is the Compliance Alliance. It is a three-step process which will help bring you and your sales team greater knowledge and understanding about what compliance officers need in the anti-corruption and other compliance space. It consists of an intensive compliance boot camp, sponsorship of a podcast series, and then sales training targeted to not only your market, but also your salesman. Interested parties should contact Tom Fox at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Today I have with me David McLaughlin. David is the CEO and founder of Quantiverse, whose <coughs> risk reduction solutions provide insight into a wide variety of information that you have on your databases. It includes your customers, your third parties, and your employees. It allows you to identify bad actors and aggressively fight financial crime. But it's much more than simply a tool for the financial services industry or the financial industry. The <coughs> Quantiverse Internal Audit Artificial Intelligence Tool helps to transform internal audit investigations, enhances compliance program with predictive data analytics, and can help you reduce your overall FCPA risk. It's a fascinating interview with someone who's literally on the cutting edge of data analytics, artificial intelligence, and the compliance industry. Once again, we see how techniques, services, and products from the financial services and financial industry can inform the anti-corruption compliance practitioner. I think you will find it very interesting and very thought-provoking as we look at how you can improve your use of data. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox back for again for another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Today, uh, you're in for a real treat because I'm going to talk to David McLaughlin. David is the, I think, founder of Quantiverse, and uh, it is a very interesting compliance tool that utilizes both a innovative technological solution, but also artificial intelligence to help uh, risk solutions. And David, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me and uh, coming on the podcast. That's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I was wondering if you might be able to describe a little bit about uh, Quantiverse, what you guys do, and then we can maybe dive into uh, some of the specifics. Sure. Yeah, uh, you're correct. I'm the founder of the company. We uh, founded it uh, just about three and a half years ago. Uh, We've developed a a technology that uses um, data science, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. Uh, combined with the power around uh, uh, big data and the ability to, to look at vast amounts of data uh, to identify uh, instances of financial crimes that uh, previously had been going unidentified. Uh, you know, there's there's uh, a lot of work that's been done and there's a lot of money being spent in the reg tech space. Um, and, uh, you know, the money being spent is, is well spent, but Whereas an industry, um, really, uh, we have a huge opportunity, I'll say, to, to have a bigger impact in helping all of our companies, financial services, as well as global corporates uh, and other companies, combat 
the effects of financial crimes that uh, employees or customers may be engaged in. So, David, one of the things that really intrigued me about the approach of Quantiverse is, uh, number one, which you just articulated to help prevent financial crimes, but actually you take it, uh, uh, and I think what I think is a, a much more interesting and hopeful, uh, innovative and hopefully step where many other companies will see the value, which is to identify customers, uh, third parties, and others with whom you would want to do business. So um, I was wondering if you might be able to describe how not only the tools that you guys have uh, help companies find bad actors, but also identify customers with whom your clients want to do business. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you can, you can think of the results of the work that we do as uh, putting uh, groups of customers into three uh, buckets or three uh, big categories. Uh, one is, you know, this is just a bad actor that you are uh, taking too much risk in uh, having as a customer. You just don't want to be doing business with this person. They're either going to launder money through your organization or they're going to um, um, put you at risk for some other financial crime. So that's one group of, the, of uh, customers. And, and uh, you know, our clients certainly know once we give them that information, what to do with that and how to handle that. And then, uh, you, you know, once within your client base, you see who, who those people are, Everybody else fits in one of two buckets. Those two buckets are not really sure, sort of a gray area. Can't really uh, say that, in fact, that this customer is uh, too risky to be doing business with and and um, uh, uh, presenting too much risk, but we should keep an eye on what their behavior is and, and whether they, in fact, are taking engaging in activity that uh, presents us with, with some risk. And then, of course, the third category is just those folks that, that are uh, operating legitimately and, and have illicit businesses and, and illicit trans- transactions and financial flows. And, and certainly those are the types of customers that, uh, you know, our clients want to keep and make sure that they're happy and, and service in a, in a great way. So, yeah, just by uh, almost by definition, when we find bag folks, we find the rest of the universe and identify them potentially as, as good customers. David, one of the other things that really intrigued me about uh, the products and services you guys provide is, while it's uh, generally uh, we've discussed how it might help companies find bad actors or identify customers with whom they would want to do business, I found some pretty specific service lines, corporate disciplines, and departments that the uh, services and tools you guys have uh, could uh, positively impact. And I'd like to go through those because um, you've actually, you write about them and you've got blogs posted about them. And the first one is internal audit. So I was wondering if you might describe how the, the tools and services might help a hypothetical internal audit team uh, at a corporation or a bank. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Historically, and and for most companies, internal audit, uh, while an important function of a uh, corporation or a company that has uh, good controls in place, uh, usually suffers from a a um, under a, being in a position of being under resourced. Uh, you know, they don't necessarily have the budgets, and they don't necessarily have the technological capabilities to accomplish. Uh, what it is that uh, really the board and the shareholders and the employees need them to accomplish. I mean, through no fault of anybody's, it's just um, uh, historically the way it's been uh, relative to any any sort of core 
competency inside of a company that isn't uh, revenue producing or, or work with clients. They're often, oftentimes under uh, resourced. And um, with that lack of tools that I mentioned uh, comes a, again, oftentimes I'm speaking with a broad brush, but uh, oftentimes comes an approach to audit where uh, the audit function will define what it is that they're intending to audit for the next year. They publish it to the company and, and to their uh, fellow employees, which is the right thing to do. And and then they engage in a plan where they systematically follow um, that publication of what it is they're going to audit, what they're going to audit. And they generally do that by doing a random sample of either transactions or a random sample of records or, or whatever function it is uh, that they're doing. Uh, what we have found with this technology is that they can very cost-effectively take a much broader look at um, activities that their fellow employees are, are engaged in. Uh, they can not just take a small random sample and assume that that random sample is representative of the overall general population. They, in fact, now can look at the general population. They can now, in fact, look at every transaction that is going through the general ledger. Uh, they can look at every expense report that uh, an employee that their employees have uh, submitted. They can look at um, every uh, contract and and uh, uh, pull out uh, relative information in the contract. They look at every agent that is um, working for the company, both uh, domestically and abroad, and ensure that the um, uh, standards that they have put in place are in fact being followed by, you know, sometimes globally spread out employees. Um, and the ability to do that in a cost-effective manner and the ability to, to look at um, entire functions uh, through an audit um, is something that we believe can radically change what the audit uh, organization is tasked with and what it is that we will hold the chief uh, audit executive and the audit department accountable for. Because really, you know, they're the third, they're the last line of defense for uh, a company. And a company needs to ensure that as that last line of defense, they are effectively uh, catching and effectively putting um, the program in place that is going to protect that company and that company's reputation um, from potential bad actors that, uh, um, uh, may try to impact them. So I really like the way you phrased it, the last line of defense. Uh, what I would say is the third line of defense, but since that's third line is three out of third, correct. Three out of thir three, that makes it the last line. Correct. I'd like to that move, though, up to the second line where uh, sort of my people sit, the chief compliance officer, the compliance practitioner, the compliance professional. Uh, most of us, including myself, came to the role uh, from the uh, corporate legal department. We're lawyers. Uh, it's not that we're technophobes, we're just generally challenged technologically. So, um, but one of the things that really intrigued me was uh, your thoughts on how a, uh, both your solution and artificial intelligence can really help compliance programs. And here I saw something a little bit different than what you talked about in AI, which is really a detect mode. And I saw the ability to have a compliance officer move from a strict detection mode to a prevention mode. And that's important because uh, the three parts of a compliance program are generally said to be prevention, detection, and remediation. 
And if you can move to prevention uh, through the use of um, Quantiverse tools, I think you really can get a step ahead. And I was wondering if you could talk about, you, you really did a great job in detailing uh, the different types of um, things that uh, you guys could look at. But I was wondering how you might see a compliance officer who's not an internal auditor, who's not a quantitative type, would be able to use this information that uh, the tools would give him for a more proactive or preventative approach. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as you reference, of course, the the uh, preventive part of a, a compliance program, you know, is is uh, the holy grail. If you can prevent it, then you uh, certainly don't have to remediate uh, any any challenges on the back end. And that that is one of the the promises of an artificial intelligence enabled program, an artificial intelligence enabled technology, is that you can begin to get predictive. And, and you can get, begin to, with accuracy, uh, not just predictive as in let's, uh, let's uh, put our fingers in the wind and, and try to guess which way the wind is blowing, but, but actual predictions that can be tracked, um, measured, uh, validated, and uh, used to um, really prevent uh, potential instances of, of future crimes. And let me give you a, let me give you a real example of, of, uh, uh, how that can work um, for uh, you know several of our clients, we look at the values of the transactions, the volumes of transactions, and the velocity of those transactions going through their their organization. And in the past, they've they've been okay. It's not been the best answer, but then they've been okay looking at those values, volumes, and velocity in a rearview mirror and saying. Uh, you know what, this last month didn't uh, behave the way that uh, it did a year ago. What went wrong? And again, valuable tool, but what artificial intelligence can do is take that information and use a derivation that we've created of a, of a, I get a little technical here, of a triple smoothing algorithm. It's a derivation of a Holt winner's uh, algorithm that allows you to look at that behavior in the past and predict what the future behavior might be. And this prediction is more than just a straight line prediction. It's more than just, oh, it was one, then two, now it's going to be three. It's a, it's a really complex model that takes in um, variations in seasonality, takes in uh, variations in, in economic factors, you know, the multiple variations that could, that could change those volumes and those values and the velocity of those transactions can be, sort of smoothed out and driven out of, through the use of this algorithm to give you a very accurate prediction of what the future might look like. Whatever that time period may be, the next month, the next quarter, the next year. Um, obviously, the further out that you go, the, the less accurate your predictions will become. But but it it is um, the, the promise of that capability can be applied in multiple um, varieties and forms and fashions. And so if we can, if we can see, if Quantiverse can see that data, historical data, and we can build a, a, uh, a variation of our, our triple smoothing algorithm against any sort of set of employee or agent or customer behavior, we can then begin to, to generate predictions on what those, those future behavior behaviors may be. Expense reporting is a great example. I, I mean, it's a area that's ripe for people to, to um, uh, 
uh, give bribes to uh, foreign officials and, and do it through expense reporting. You, you can look at an employee's expense reports and you can get very accurate in your prediction of what they are going to be. And if some change or anomaly happens, it doesn't mean that that employee has uh, committed a crime, but it means you may, may need to look at it. And if you're going to look at it, that's going to help you get uh, preventive. And if you can predict how a customer or an employee is behaving and, and see something that that um, uh, uh, looks anomalous, then you're going to be able to uh, prevent future financial crimes through that. You know, it strikes me, David, that this tool has some pretty outstanding applications in what I would just call general business efficiencies. Because if you can take the volumes, values, and velocity of the delivery of a vendor from the supply chain, take a retrospective look back and see when uh, the there was increases or decreases, that could certainly help you plan uh, business uh, going forward in the future. Uh, would Absolutely. that be a fair statement? Absolutely. The I mean, the applications of of this technology are, I think are really at this point only limited by our imagination. There's just, there are so many um, efficiency processes, risk management processes, marketing capabilities, business development capabilities uh, through the use of these technologies. We, we've at Quantiverse. So, you know, whether it's Quantiverse or not Quantiverse, the, the potential applications are huge. We at Quantiverse have, because of that, have, have made the decision that we're really focused on the risk side of this in the financial crime space. Again, whether it's AML or FCPA or ABC violations, whatever that, or counterterrorism financing, whatever that is, we're really getting really, really great at, um, at uh, reducing and lowering and, and uh, driving that risk um, to as low as it, it can be uh, for a company. The other thing I think I'm sensing is that, uh, well, let me go about it a different way, because uh, one of the problems in many corporations is the siloed nature of the different disciplines. So even within the compliance discipline, for instance, you might have a anti-corruption compliance specialist, you might have an export control compliance specialist, you might have a trade compliance specialist, you might have a um, anti-money laundering compliance specialist, and they may be looking at uh, if not similar data, the same data, but they're so siloed that they're not talking to each other. It occurs to me that the risk-based approach that you guys are using would not only allow them to talk to each other, but with one set of data, a company could uh, manage a very wide range of risks across the spectrum and, and actually move that to strategic risk planning. Absolutely. And, and um, in, in addition to that, uh, capability, uh, what the um, opportunity there is, is to be able to do that, you need to get very good, a company needs to get very good, since the, the, the departments are siloed and the people are siloed, oftentimes the technology is siloed. And a company needs to get very good at making sure that the data that they're looking at is good. That, in fact, um, the same customer may be uh, in, held in two different core uh, platforms are identified the same way, and, and it's a, it's a, oftentimes an easy sounding to anybody that's not in the in the industry or not having to worry about that problem is an easy sounding problem, which in fact is quite uh, difficult. Um, 
And the difficult, the reasons for it being difficult are, are numerous. I mean, culturally, it's, it, they, uh, the organizations may enter the names differently. One may put the last name first and then the first name and another may put the first name. Someone may put Mr. You know, salutation while another doesn't put the name with a salutation. Some, if it's a corporate entity, someone may, uh, put, uh, the, the, whether it's an LLC or a C corp or, you know, all those sort of cultural differences of our business lead to data on those, the parties to those transactions that can make it very difficult to clean up. And again, a perfect use case for an artificial intelligence tool and a machine learning tool to be able to clear up those differences and, and make sure that that picture that you just painted is can actually work because um, it's not a technology issue what you described there. That is a uh, corporate cultural issue of how those organizations and how those people can potentially work together. And it won't work unless the data that they're having at, that they're uh, looking at and analyzing has been um, uh, cleaned and normalized and made to, uh, uh, to be um, assimilated so that the, the same customer uh, or the same outside entity is uh, viewed the same way between those parties. Let me ask you one specific question about FCPA. Because in uh, February, the Department of Justice released a document in call, uh, entitled The Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs. And it's a list of uh, 11 separate prongs of components that a company should use as a benchmark for best practices compliance program. And it's based on something called the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program, and, and it adds one more, which is new to the compliance practitioner, and that is a root cause analysis. And I was wondering how uh, the Quantiverse tool would help uh, provide feedback for corporate leadership through a root cause analysis, and then uh, using that data in a feedback loop for process improvement. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this is very akin to uh, models and rules in the anti-money laundering uh, space. You, you know, they they have um, to your earlier point at the at the top of the program. There's been a lot of um, uh, success and a lot of development in. Uh, AML inside of financial services organizations. And, and one of the ways that they've done that is by creating models and rules and then uh, continuing to tune those rules to make sure that uh, they're as effective as uh, they can be. And the concept of a root cause analysis to say, okay, we've had some sort of violation in, in FCPA and, and um, to ensure that we don't want to uh, uh, do that again or suffer from that again is, Let's understand what really caused it. Culturally, what caused it? Was it a single employee? Was it uh, a mix of employees? Why weren't the controls in place? What happened to the audit function? All of those things combined to say, what's the RCA of this of uh, uh, of this uh, uh, challenge that we faced? And then what is the remediation behind it? And so, again, um, you know, it can be a, a, a pretty daunting task for somebody to say, okay, I need to get to the bottom of the root cause analysis if they don't have good data around it. And if um, the data was siloed between different departments and potentially um, hard to find and hard to examine, um, you know, you can interview people inside your company, but if you don't have the data, which are the facts behind it, 
are you really getting to that that root cause? And uh, the ability for a, a tool like this is to um, ensure that you know one of the things that a tool like this can do is to ensure that in fact when you find a root cause when the when the appropriate people find the root cause of a violation has this happened before what's the scale and scope of this if i had a root cause if I, a root cause is potentially a systemic problem inside an organization how do i go explore whether this systemic problem is has been significant inside my organization or in fact this is a one time event and so the ability to take these technologies and say, now I understand my, my uh, root cause, let me go and evaluate really the scale and scope of this problem and this challenge inside my organization. And certainly board members, you know, uh, uh, directors of, of audit and the chief audit executive and the CCO, the global CCO, want to and need to understand and should understand the scope of, of this root cause. And even before we worry about uh, remediation and what we're going to do to to change it. What has really happened in the past inside the organization, and how how big has that problem been? Because then we know, then we can sort of go down the path and say, now we know how we have to fix. Uh, now we know the scale of this problem, the scope of this problem, and what it is that we do to really have to remediate this for the future. Well, David, and then of uh, course these technologies can be. I'm sorry to interrupt. And of course, these technologies can be used as part of that as part of that remediation problem. Again, the examination of data and the ability to see anomalies in data and patterns in vast amounts of data is, is um, <clears throat> something unique to this technology that can can ensure that uh, those problems don't happen again once identified. David, I know you said that Quantiverse focuses on the risk side of things, but I would have to suggest to you that. Um, by focusing on the risk side of things, a company can uh, make themselves not only more efficient, but much stronger in their risk management process and allow them to respond more quickly to either changing market conditions, emerging uh, laws, emerging technologies, new regulations, reputational issues. And if you can um, move more quickly, you can uh, potentially have an opportunity, I think, for a greater profitability. So I would see this really as a, as a tool which allows companies to, to be more nimble, more quick, make more strategic use of risk um, as part of their overall business plan going forward. I couldn't agree with you more, Tom. Is that the, you know, we all need good data and we all need, uh, you know, the larger the company, the more important the data that the business leaders need to, to make great decisions. And, and that strategic risk plan and the strategic business sort of oversight of how you use this data, uh, I think, is uh, something that is um, uh, has a lot of promise. Um, and, and um, you know, I agree that the, that the ability to, to take sort of a holistic view of the insights that you're going to garner, that somebody's going to garner from this type of analysis, uh, again, is something that can be extremely valuable to any company. David, I was wondering if uh, anyone wanted more information on Quantiverse. Uh, could you give us the website or tell us how uh, they sure. might be able to find yeah. out more information? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to uh, help anybody that wants more information on uh, us or, or even just these technologies and the potential of these technologies. Our website is www.quantiverse.net. It's Q-U-A-N-T-A-V-E-R-S-E, one word, quantiverse.net. 
Um, we are certainly on Twitter and LinkedIn and, and, uh, we produce a lot of blogs. We've been getting published by lots of, uh, uh, national and global periodicals, uh, lately. And, um, you know, we're, we're glad to be a part of your podcast as well. Uh, and welcome any follow up from anybody. So I've been visiting with David McLaughlin, the founder of Quantiverse. We've been having a fascinating discussion about how his company uses uh, technological solutions and artificial intelligence to help you reduce your risk, or I would say actually manage your risk better and provide uh, strategic insights into how you can not only identify bad actors uh, who might impact your company, but I think actually improve your business processes and and help you find folks that you'd want to do with. David, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to visit with me. It's been fascinating, and I certainly hope we can continue the conversation. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you again for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast. It would help get the word out about one of the top compliance-related podcasts. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the FCPA Report, and I hope you'll join us next week for another edition where I explore the FCPA, compliance, and compliance-related issues. This is Tom Fox. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>